on this edition of Life on the Run. And I believe that if you pray these prayers, they're so foundational to our faith that if we pray these prayers, I do believe that it will transform our lives and we will never be the same. Life moves fast, and we don't often take a moment to hit the brakes and slow down. Do you want to take your life and your faith to the next level? Join Pastor Dale Sism as he shines a light on what it truly means to love God, serve people, and share Christ in your area of influence. This is Life on the Run, a weekly podcast designed to help more people find true life in Jesus Christ. We're beginning a new series today. We were going to begin last Sunday, uh, but we're beginning a new series today called Dangerous Prayers. I was thinking about this several months ago as I was planning and preparing for this fall. And, uh, and I began to think about some of the prayers that we pray and many of the prayers that we tend to pray I would call safe prayers. We put them in the safe zone. We, we pray prayers like, give me a good day, God. That's a safe prayer. God bless me today. That's a safe prayer. Growing up at every meal, we had one prayer that we prayed for every meal. And uh, maybe you prayed this as well. It went like this. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. Some, how many grew up with that? All right, several of you. And, um, and anyway, that w- that's, you know... Obviously, a time to thank the Lord for the the blessings, but it's a safe prayer. I believe that there are three prayers that we're going to focus on over these next three weeks that I would put in the range in the category of dangerous prayers. Not dangerous in the way that they would hurt or deconstruct or that they would uh, be destructive, but prayers that require risk, and faith and vulnerability to God. That we are really opening up our heart to God and allow him to transform us into the image of Christ. If you look in the Bible, the Bible talks a lot about prayer, but there are, someone counted, 222 distinct prayers that are mentioned in the Bible. That's a lot of prayers. But we're going to focus on three of these that I believe put us into that realm of dangerous prayers that require risk and faith and vulnerability. And and I believe that if you pray these prayers, they're so foundational to our faith that if we pray these prayers, I do believe that it will transform our lives and we will never be the same. So the three prayers we're going to look at are search me and save me and send me. Today, I want to talk about that first one, search me. If you have your Bible, turn with me, if you would, to the the book of Psalm 139. If you're following along on your phone, uh, you can turn on your phone and follow along or open your Bible. Uh, You can also pull out the uh, uh, sheet that is on the inside of your program and follow along as well. 
David writes Psalm 139 in the context that he is being pursued by the enemy. The enemy is hot on his trail. It seemed to be the pattern of David's life. And David is reminding himself, here in Psalm 139, he's reminding himself of God's abiding presence. Psalm 139, for me, is one of the most beautiful prayers the most beautiful psalms that are, that are in the psalms because it really reminds us that God is with us at all times, that, that God's abiding presence is always there. It really is the summation of, of when God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And what I love about Psalm 139 is it goes back and even God's presence is with us in the womb all the way from the time we were conceived all the way until the time that we go and be with him, that God is always with us. It is one of the most beautiful, psalms in the Bible. So as David comes to the end of this psalm, he's challenging himself to really a new level of faith, a new level of, of trust in the Lord. And he prays this prayer that requires risk and faith and vulnerability. And, and he opens himself up to the Lord. And I believe this is a model for us to pray, not just once in our life, but a prayer that we can pray throughout our life, maybe even a prayer that we would pray every day. So Psalm 139, verse 23. Let's take a look at this. I'm reading out of the NIV this morning. It says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. A couple of weeks ago, I went to my doctor and had my annual physical and and uh, they drew blood and they poked and prodded where they shouldn't. And, uh, you know, it's just, you've been to the doctor. And, uh, and it's just one of those things that you don't want to do, but you know you got to do. And, and then he begins to check you out and he begins to ask all kinds of questions. And he, he listened to my heart and listened to my lungs, listened to my carotid arteries and, and uh, asked me all kinds of questions. Can you walk up steps without getting tired? Can you, can you, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm still young. And, uh, but he's asking all of these questions and he wants to make sure that I'm in health and he wants to make sure that my heart is okay. Because having your heart working is essential to life. Anybody say amen to that? And so having a physical checkup is good. But what David is talking about is he's talking about having a heart checkup, a spiritual checkup. Let me ask you the question. When's the last time you've had a spiritual checkup? When's the last time you've gone to God and said, God, search me, try me, test me, check me out, check my heart, my spiritual heart, my spiritual life. 
That's why I believe this is such a dangerous prayer because when we pray this prayer, we are inviting God to come and do the very thing that we have just asked him to do. Search me and test me and try me and know me and lead me. God, I want to know it's in my heart. Now you say, well, my heart is good. My heart is fine. Well, the reality is, is that if we do not know Christ, we don't have a good heart. In fact, Jeremiah says it this way. He says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Well, there's a bummer of a sermon, isn't it? Um, Who really knows how bad it is? See, the most common lie that we ever say is the one that we say to ourselves. Because we are, we so deceive ourselves. There's a Greek philosopher, Demosthenes, and he said this, no one can deceive himself. No one can be deceived more than he who deceives himself. In other words, we are the ones who deceive ourselves the most. And, And we often say lies to cover up the areas that are in our heart. You may have said this or heard people say it. You know, I'm not really critical. I just can do it better than they can. I'm not critical of others. Or maybe you've heard people say this. I'm not gossiping. I don't want to gossip, but I just want to give you a prayer concern. Or, well, I'm not prideful. I... Just happen to be able to do it better than anybody else. It reminds me of a funny story of a, of a Sunday school teacher that was awarded a, a badge, a, a medal of honor that they gave her because she was voted as the most humble person in church. And so they gave her a badge of humility. But the next Sunday they took it away because she wore it. So... Uh, No one can deceive themselves more than than we can. So asking God to search our heart isn't giving God new information. When you say, God, search me and try me and know me, God isn't saying, gee, I didn't know what was in there. It's like when God came to Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden after they sinned, and God said, Adam, where are you? He wasn't looking for new information. He knew exactly where Adam was. What God wanted Adam to know, Adam, where are you? He wanted Adam to know where Adam was. And this is what we are doing when we go to God and say, God, search me. We're not saying, God, we want to give you new information about us, but we are inviting God to give us information about ourselves that we maybe haven't seen before. And so when you ask God to search your heart, he may show you areas in your life that are unpleasing to him. Areas like anger and greed and lust and anxiety. And the only reason that God wants us to invite him into this process is so that he can heal us, so he can restore our lives, so that he can repair the brokenness, so that we can become all that God has planned and purposed and destined for us to be. 
So God, search my heart. The second prayer, part of this prayer is, and know my fears. God, know my fears. Know my anxious thoughts, David said. Reveal to me my fears. You may say, well, David was being pursued by the enemy. I mean, it's natural to be afraid. I mean, isn't it natural to be afraid when, when you got struggles, when you got troubles? Not when God is on your side and not when God is with you and his presence is with you. How many have ever just laid in bed at night worrying about what may take place tomorrow or what may take place in the future? I mean, we all have done that. What, what if the doctor's report comes in bad? How, how am I going to pay my bills? There are times that I've laid in bed and, and sometimes my mind just won't shut off and it, it just starts going. I want to sleep and it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And then it begins to wander in these areas of, of anxiety and concern and, and things that I have absolutely no control of over the future. And then I have to just say to myself, stop it. And I have to remind myself that God is in control. That God is present. And we're reminded time and time again in scripture, be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4 says, Jesus said in Matthew 6, and don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. We're reminded time and again, trust in God. Because when you trust in God, here's what, here's what Solomon wrote in Proverbs. Proverbs 3 says this, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. How many want sweet sleep? When you trust in God and give him your fears and worries and cares and anxieties, and that's what we did at the beginning of this service. God, take my burdens, take the cares, take the fears. I give them to you because you are not only in control of today, but you are also in control of tomorrow. So I give them to you, oh God. The most repeated command in scripture is do not fear. Just don't go there. Do not fear. But what makes us afraid? What makes you afraid? What are you fearful of right now? It may be the things that we mentioned. How am I going to pay my bills? Or what about the doctor's report? But I believe there are other areas in our life that, that is really common to many people. And let me give you just four of these here. Number one is this, the fear of failure. I, I believe there's many people that walk around with a fear of failure. And the end result is, is they become a workaholic or they become driven to succeed. Now, there's nothing wrong about being driven. There's nothing wrong about having good work ethics. But when, but when the root of it is based on a fear of failure, then that is an unhealthy motive that we need to go to God and ask him to heal us. The flip side is we don't take risks. Or, or we say, but what if I fail? And so we never venture out into the unknown. I believe that that's a huge fear that many people have. Another one is the fear of, of loss or the fear of lack. They really tie in together. 
The fear of losing what you have or the fear of not having enough. And when we, when we allow that fear to take root within our life, we tend to hoard. We tend to hold on. We tend to, to keep what we have. And, and, and instead of being generous with what God has given us, we tend to keep it. So as the offering plate goes by, we tend to say, no, I'm just going to keep, keep this because what if I don't have enough for tomorrow? Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. I'll take care of tomorrow. I took care of the birds of the air. I took care of the flowers in the field. I'll take care of you too. See, we have this concept in Christianity that tithing and uh, where we say, well, God gets the first 10% and, but I get to keep the 90. It's not how, that's not New Testament. New Testament, in fact, the entire Bible is, it's all God's. It all belongs to him. And so when we live with a lack of, or a fear of lack or loss, we're not going to be greedy and trust God. Number three, the third one is not being good enough. Not being good enough, talking down about ourselves. I, I'm just not pretty. I'm not smart. I'm too old. I'm too young, too fat, too skinny, whatever the case may be. I'm just not good enough. And when we come to this place of feeling we're not good enough, there, there's a couple options that we take. One is we become an overachiever. We become a perfectionist. Everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be right so that I can prove that I am good enough. Or the flip side is we just never try. We allow the excuses of life to keep us from venturing out in faith and walking in the plan and the purpose and the destiny that God has for us. The last one, and I believe these last two really tie in together, and that is the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection. And when we, when we have that fear, then we're not going to get close to people. We're not going to risk relationships. We're not going to venture out and trust people with our heart and with our life. We'll keep people at arm's length. Or the flip side is we become a people pleaser. We'll respond to anybody who pays us attention and we'll do anything just for their favor. And so these are fears that I believe that God wants to reveal to us so that we can give them to God and say, God, heal my brokenness, heal my heart so that I'm not bound, but I can walk in everything that you have prepared for me. I, I was even reading recently. Let me just even talk about pastors for a moment. I read recently that most pastors start their ministry with a desire to please God. And they end their ministry in pleasing man. And I think it's common to so many of us. And there's a, a verse here in Proverbs that says this, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Isn't that a wonderful promise? 
that if you trust the Lord, he will keep you safe. So what I have done when I'm in the middle of that moment, especially in the middle of the night when fears begin to come my way, is I begin to go back and I begin to recount the many scripture verses that talk about fear. Here are two of my favorites. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. God didn't give you that fear. And fear comes from the enemy. So God didn't give me that fear. So why am I going to listen to the enemy? I'm just going to listen to God. The second scripture is found in Proverbs chapter 3. This is one that, that maybe you memorized when you were young. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He will guide your steps. So trust the Lord. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. And when you ask God to reveal to you your fears, he will show you where you need to trust God. So God, search my heart. God, know my fears. But the third one is where we start venturing into an area that we don't like to be vulnerable in, and that is God, uncover my sin. Uncover my sin. David said, see if there is any offensive way in me. In other words, God, what is in my life that is offensive to you? Areas that I may not even recognize, areas that I may not even see. But God, what is in my life that that hurts you and hurts your heart. These may be the secret sins, the ones we hide from everybody, and we think that we can even hide them from God. And we've all been taught, even maybe even as a young age, we've been taught what are acceptable sins. Sometimes as parents, we teach our children that. The phone rings and we tell our kids, oh, tell them I'm not here. An acceptable sin. The other day I was watching a show. I love political thrillers. And I was watching a show I'd watched on Netflix, binge-watched, and uh, watched the first couple, episodes, or couple seasons. And, uh, and, and it was just it was a good show. I really enjoyed it. And except for, you know, you just had to overlook a couple parts. Anybody ever said that about a TV show or a movie you went to see? It was a good movie, but, well, I just can't recommend it. You know, it was a good show, but he just had to overlook a couple parts, acceptable sins. And, and then we got to season three, and I watched two episodes, and I came out, and Sandy, she didn't like political thrillers. She likes anything with horses in it. So, um, especially if John Wayne's on the back of a horse. But, uh, but anyway, so I'm watching this show, and I watched a couple episodes, and all of a sudden, I just got so disgusted, and I'm like, I can't watch it anymore. I just couldn't do it anymore. Maybe you've done that or had to do that. There, there's a verse. It's kind of an obscure verse. Let, let me bring it to you. Proverbs 23, 31. I believe it, it really describes this. It says this. Solomon said, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. He's not talking about don't drink wine. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is don't get so sucked in and intoxicated by even the look of it. 
And so many things in life that, that we can be so desensitized by the things in culture that we can just get sucked in and we get so desensitized and we're watching the swirl go round and round and round and round and round. And all of a sudden, the things that maybe five years ago, we say, oh, I would never do that. All of a sudden, we're like, well, it doesn't look so bad anymore. God is saying, uncover my sins. God, what's in my life that is unpleasing to you? He, by the way, he says, uncover my sins. See if there's any offensive way in me. He didn't say, see if there's any offensive way in my spouse or in my neighbor or in my coworker or in the person on the other side of the church. He didn't say that. He says, see what's in me. We, we tend to excuse our sins while we accuse others of their sins. But God, see what is in me. When I was a teenager, I grew up on a farm, as many of you know, and one day, San, uh, Sandy, my dad and I, my dad and I, we were uh, working in the barn. We were doing some, uh, just some repair work, and, and uh, we were walking back to the house, and dad had asked me to do something that I really wasn't pleased. I just kind of had a bad attitude that day, and he was asked me to do something. I really wasn't all that excited to do it. And I, was, I was letting my feelings be known. I was grumpy about it. And, uh, and I don't even have a clue what it was. It may have been as simple as, you know, move the hay from this side of the barn to that side of the barn. Which, you know, parents, by the way, we just make up stuff for kids to do. You know, dad used to say, you know, one Saturday, go, go move the hay from the front of the barn to the back of the barn. The next week it was move it back. You know, it's just, just to keep busy. So we're walking to the house and, and I was just getting agitated and, and I was really getting kind of upset. And so dad had walked in the house and I remember I still had the hammer in my hand and, and uh, started to head back to the pickup and just to lay it there, and, and just upset. And instead of going and laying the hammer in the bed of the truck, I, I just took the hammer, and I just went, bam, and I just threw it at the truck. I was just upset. Just bam. By the way, it was this hammer. <laughs> and... The next few seconds occurred in slow motion. <laughs> it has a rubber handle on the back. And so it bounces and it hit the bed of that truck and in slow motion bounced up and hit the back of the pickup window. Luckily, it did not break the hammer or the window. But what happened next broke my heart. My dad, unbeknownst to me, had turned back out from the house 
and saw my facial expressions and saw the anger and saw the hammer and saw it fly. And I, I turned around and the disappointment on his face broke my heart. Still to this day, it's broke my heart. And God spoke to me at that moment. I was just a teenager. And God said, Dale, you've got an anger problem. You've got to deal with. If you don't deal with it now, it'll ruin your life. So, 45 years later, every time I pick up this hammer, I'm reminded of that moment. God, search my heart. See what's in me. What's in your heart? What sins have been covered up through the years? Maybe the acceptable ones. Maybe the ones that you don't want anybody to know. You see, I think when we ask this question, there are three follow-up questions we could ask. Let me give them to you real quick, then we'll get to this last point. Number one is this. What are other people trying to tell me? What are other people trying to tell me? Maybe you've said this or heard other people say, you know, every relationship I get in, I always end up getting hurt. Well, who's the common denominator in all those relationships? Now they're always telling me I need to grow up. Well, maybe you need to grow up. What are other people trying to tell me? Number two is this. What have I rationalized for some time? What have I rationalized for some time? Well, that's just the way I am. You know, my anger, that's just my personality. If they don't like it, they need to deal with it. They need to get over it. That's just my nationality. That's the way I was brought up. That's just the way I am. It's not my problem. It's their problem. What have I rationalized all of these years? I'm just a type A person. Or, or thirdly is this. Where am I most defensive? I have a right to get mad. What they did to me really hurt me. I have a right to be this angry. They don't deserve my forgiveness. Where am I the most defensive in my life? So what are people trying to tell me? By the way, it reminds me of someone offers you a mint, take it. They're not just being nice. <laughs> they might be trying to tell you something. So what have I rationalized for some time? Where am I the most defensive? By the way, this is why small groups is so important. Because you're, you're inviting others to come and examine you. Yes, you're in the midst of imperfect people who are helping point you to a perfect God. Allow God to speak to your heart. God, search my heart, know my fears, see what's in me. Lastly, number four, lead me. Lead me, lead my life, God. I love this. Lead me in the way everlasting. 
This is saying, Lord, you take control of my life. You lead me. You lead me. David was surrounded by the enemy. He couldn't trust his own leadership anymore. So he was saying, God, you lead me. I I can't trust my decision-making ability. I need you to direct my steps, God. And David knew that this was the only place where he could really find safety in. Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The most safest place you can be is in God's presence. Allow God to be there. Allow God to not just direct your steps now. One of my other verses is, God's word is a light into my path. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, God shows me not only where I am today, but he illuminates my path for tomorrow. He's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God, show me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence right now, but also with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The safest place to be is in God's presence. So what did David pray? God, search my heart. Are you honest enough to ask God to search your heart this morning? Number two, God, know my fears. God, where am I not trusting you? Because your fear is is a revelation to the place where you're not trusting God. God, know my fears. God, uncover my sins. Reveal to me what I'm hiding behind. And lastly, lead me. God, you take the wheel. Or as a country song is, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, take the wheel, God. Search me, know me, uncover me, and lead me. And all of these point, all of these point to my trust in God. So let's look at this verse again. Psalm 139, would you say it out loud with me? Would you say it with me? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive thing in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm going to invite you this week. Would you take this prayer? Would you pray it every day this week? In your prayer time, when you get up, or in the midday, or before you go to bed, whenever you have your time with God, take this verse, keep your notes, take this verse, and pray it. And be still. And let God speak to you. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Life on the Run. Find show notes, video, and much more on our website at eplife.org. Join our Facebook community at eplife.org forward slash Facebook. To support the work and ministry of Life Church, head to eplife.org forward slash giving. Life Church is located in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and our weekly services are at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And join us next week for Life on the Run podcast so that you can leave your mark on the world by hitting the brakes, increasing your faith, and living out your life for Christ.